to My Turn Podcast, a gaming podcast hosted by extra competitive siblings. And today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Tim! Hello, sister from another mister. I mean, that does work. Yeah, I I literally just thought of it as I was saying it. Um, So for anyone who hasn't listened to this podcast before, uh, we are back at you with a brand new series. Unfortunately, we are still in poopy lockdown. Um, It's been a tough year, hasn't it, Tim? It's been a very interesting year. Yes, we're in lockdown two, electric boogaloo. And (laughs) we're (laughs) in London, we're due to come out of it um towards the end of next week into tier two which means we can go to a pub as long as we have a substantial meal um and in that honor i'm having a stout right now which i do consider to be a substantial meal because they're quite heavy when they introduced that rule i was like i'm basically gonna have about five substantial meals every time i go to the pub now just so i can stay there longer (laughs) I've actually seen um, a brewery that have developed a beer called Substantial Meal, which I think is an excellent loophole. (laughs) That's amazing. I need to look that up. But thank you uh, so much for joining us uh, on our brand new episode of a brand new series. Uh, I am usually here with uh, one or two of my, what should I call them, birth brothers? Flesh and Bloods. Flesh and Bloods, brothers. Um, <laughs> and I am the older sister of the uh, birth, flesh and blood sibling trio. Uh, and the reason we started this podcast is because we are all games obsessed. And Tim, I think you and I have found each other and uh, remained very close for, oh, how long have we known each other? 20 years? 20 years. Yeah. 20 years as of about two months ago. So, that- yeah. Yeah, I think I met we're you on like now. the second of October. Yeah, of we're in we're in our third decade. <laughs> third decade. Um, we're old, basically. Is I think yeah, what what, yeah. what <laughs> you are still the older sibling, though. I just want everyone to know yeah. in this arrangement, so you are still the, the oldest. Of us, I am still <laughs> uh, the eldest. Um, but yeah, we are all games obsessed. We love them. And we're bringing you a lot more games this series and we'll be joined by a lot more special guests because this lockdown thing has meant that um, people's availability is actually less consistent than it was before, which is weird because we're all stuck at home. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose people are getting quite intense about the chosen things that they're doing, if you see. So they might still be, you know, confined to one place, but... I guess people are committing to a particular thing in in a more intense way than they would have before when perhaps everything was just, uh, I might get around to it, I might not, I have options. We don't have options anymore. I don't know. Do you think that's it? What you're saying, Tim, or at least what I'm hearing, is you think my flesh and blood brothers don't really love me? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I, was, I was trying to sugarcoat it. <laughs> but you do, mate, so that's good. And I love you too. And I miss you. I miss seeing you in real life. Oh, I know. I miss um, watching you fall off chairs. Yeah. And spill things. Um... And spill things in real life, IRL. (laughs) Uh, But we are going to talk about some games, Tim, because the one thing, the one silver lining of this year, I think, is uh, 
I've played a lot of games. How about you? So many games. <laughs> I've played a whole bunch since I last spoke to you, and it wasn't even that long ago, really. But um, yeah, racking them up because it's just such good escapism from your seat. <laughs> I hear you and totally, totally agree. So we are going to be talking about two video games uh, in this episode. Uh, what game are you telling us about today, Tim? I'm going to talk to you about Night Call. Oh, well, should we should we get into it? Let's go. Mm, shall I just shall I tell you more about it right now? Yeah, I'm, I mean, why not? Let's do it. All right, you tell me what you're talking about later. So Night Call, uh, it was released for PC back in summer of 2019. And then converted for console a year later. It made it onto Xbox uh, One and also Nintendo Switch. It did not make it onto PlayStation 4. The developers said they had quite a rough time with the... They um, got a a separate company to try and convert it onto console for them. They found Mm. a lot of bugs when they converted it. Uh, It gave them a lot of grief. It was very expensive and the game didn't sell that well for them so they just had to make the decision not to invest in converting it for ps4 unfortunately uh the developers are monkey moon um with black muffin and published by monkey moon and raw fury i played it on the xbox one as it came onto game pass a few months ago yes i noticed it pop up so could you give us a little description of the game in a nutshell Mm. it is a very narrative-driven, noir, investigative game set in Paris, so very French noir, and your main character who you play is a taxi driver, and the taxi driver has been um, attacked by a serial killer, and you wake up as the survivor And the game is, can you now help the police solve the crime? So the unique sort of aspect of this is that as a taxi driver, you are privy to a lot of conversations uh, of people talking to you. And they use that device for you to become a sort of taxi driver come investigator. It's very story driven. There's no kind of platforming or action. It's all text. Well, it's not all text based. I mean, there's no there's no voiceover. Uh, you're reading the text and it's got quite sparse images to accompany that as well. That's ah, in a nutshell. Right. So no voice acting. You're Mm-mm. recounting all the... Co- Sorry, are you recounting conversations or are you having new ones? Or a bit of both? No, you're having new conversations. You're, you're with them in the taxi live. There's no... There's no flashback, uh, mm. as would be typical in a noir. Maybe that's com- to come onto my expectations, but uh, yeah, there's no there's no voice acting in it. All right then. Well, let's get into that. What were your expectations going into this uh, noir? Well, I knew it would be a noir from <laughs> from the art, <laughs> yeah. from the description of the game. Um, I actually really do like noir as a genre for all its pitfalls I, I mean a genre actually a lot of a lot of people would say it's not really a proper genre because it can be any number of things in yeah, terms of it being a police world. procedural yeah yeah or social commentary or any of that it's mostly you know described as, as an aesthetic um than particularly a story genre but I do like it my expectations of it therefore are that it's going to be 
pretty grim. It's going to be cynical. Um, there will probably be a lot of people smoking. I imagine there'll be a femme fatale. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, some kind of... Um, some kind of background of society crumbling and people, you know, not feeling supported by that, mm. I suppose, is what I associate mostly with noir. And I also think of um, jazz soundtrack, I suppose, when I think of noir <laughs> as well. You know, some, some deep horns. We're talking Depression era America. So, yeah, that's what I was expecting. So... Is it set, did you say this already? Is it set in present day? I can't remember if you said that. I didn't tell you. Ah. And it is set in present day. Ah, yes. Because as soon as you you start delving into your expe- expectation of noir, you do think of, as you said, that a specific era. Um, and yeah, so yeah. that's interesting. So present day. And the taxi driver's French? But it's set um, in well, Right? It's uh, no, it's set, it's set in Paris. Oh, sorry, it's set the in taxi, Paris. the taxi driver. We don't know everything about him. Mm. Um, he is an immigrant from um, uh, North Africa. Right. This is part of kind of like the uh, the the main sort of undercurrent of story. Actually, mm. is uh, I don't know how familiar everyone will be with race relations in France but Mm. there is in particular a lot of tension in France and in Paris with you know the the white European history and the immigration of Algerians and Berbers and Arabs and you know um all this kind of community not 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 least to mention the the contemporary government's attitudes to Muslims and so forth yeah so yeah (laughs) so um so that's our that's our kind of character. He's he's an immigrant taxi driver making his way around Paris. And actually on on that point before I uh, move on from I mean I do want to sort of say obviously how how it wasn't like the expectations but right. um noir as a genre if we're still going to call it that and I am. Let's um, go for it because we're I talking think, about games and I think it is more yeah. cinema that gets hung up on it not being a genre. But... Yeah. I think one of the things that people don't necessarily know about where noir came from is that it was a film style that was founded by immigrants in that it came very much from the German expressionist aesthetic of the 1910s and 20s. And, you know, that in itself was born out of the fact that Germany was struggling psychologically with what happened in the First World War. And they needed to find new ways to express their sort of pain and fear and horror. And alongside that, they had no money at all. You know, it's real, real poverty stricken. And mm-hmm. so what they put on film were these, you know, collaborating with, with artists to create strange shapes and angles. And it was cheap but effective way of mm. communicating kind of where they were now with limited resources. And then, of course, with the rise of Nazism in the 30s, a lot of those makers went over to the US to escape. And that's really, they took those sort of dark, contrasting, psychological, Mm. grim aesthetics with them. And it became film noir off the back of the Great Depression in 1930s Mm. US. So when I say kind of like I had certain expectations of film noir, I was actually thinking of the typical things, I suppose, that came more along in the 1950s. But through playing this game, I remembered that origin of of noir being about immigration. And yeah, yeah. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. 
So let's talk about, you know, how what happens with this expectation then going in and your sort of general impression of the game as you started to get into it. So as I say, you, you begin the game by waking up in a hospital. You've been attacked. You know that there's this through line of a serial killer story and the police are saying to you, look, we've got some stuff on you. We know you've got a you've got a dodgy past or a criminal past and we need you to help us catch this killer so you know you go to work you, you go back to work as a taxi driver and as you're ferrying passengers around you uh, can also pick up suspects in the case and try Ooh. to get information out of them as well and you can also go to sort of uh, special locations and maybe uh, pay off people for information. You do this and you get to, you really get to sort of be your own boss in this regard of choose where you go and what you do. But you're under the yoke of doing what the police tell you, right. of needing to collect money from passengers so you can pay for your petrol um, <laughs> as well as bribing. And um, you work through the nights. You work from about 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. So there's a time limit on what you can do as well. You get, I think it's five nights in total to be able to get to the end of completing this investigation. So there are quite a lot of restrictions on what you can do um, in terms of the the murder storyline. Now... There's the overall murder storyline, which I think is really the frame for getting a beginning, middle and end to this game. But alongside that, every passenger you pick up also has a story. And sometimes it's relevant to the case and most of the time it's not. So you get to hear lots of really weird, interesting stories. And I think the fact that it's through the night is crucial. It's what makes it. Mm. Because you get... um, you know, you get um, tourists who are completely lost in the city. You get people who are, you know, escaping some sort of difficult background. You um, you can choose to drive your homeless friends around, but they won't pay you. Um, you know, but you, you can have a chat with them and support mm. them. There's people you're picking up from the police station, like young, um, young students who have been profiled by the police because of their race and you're seeing like this real dirty understory of Paris throughout this whole experience that is the thing that I and I think I've read a couple of um you know comments and reviews off the back of this everyone loves this section of it everyone loves the bit of the game where you just drive around Paris and you pick up people and you hear their stories and some of them are really you know emotionally intense some of them are quite funny one of them you, you pick up Santa who has misplaced his sleigh <laughs> That's and he's drunk and you have to go and help him out. Um, one of my favourite pickups actually was a Japanese tourist who didn't speak any English, but you still have the, your, like your dialogue choices of what are you going to say to him? And what you're trying to do is sort of come to some kind of understanding by the time you get to the end of your journey. And it was fascinating. And um, one of the things of that as well, about how keenly I think the... Um, the tourists and immigration and race relations aspect of it was observed. For example, you know, there is um, Paris syndrome for, uh, it's called Paris syndrome for Japanese tourists who come to Paris and are deeply disappointed by the experience. That was clearly, you know, an example of that. So there were lots of 
examples of it. And even a ghost gets into the back of your oh, cab wow. at some point. Oh, wow. Okay, lovely. And it's a young go- a young boy who smells of, like, burnt pastry. And you kind of figure <laughs> out why, like, what the story was behind that. There are so many things going this on. sounds brilliant. And, and I've actually read about this game because, as you say, it was on Game Pass on the Xbox. And I also mm-hmm. have an Xbox. And it's one of the ones that I kind of flagged to have a look at. Um, and one of the things that I thought, what a great premise, was just literally what you've described. Was this idea of people's stories unfolding in the back of your car and you being mm-hmm. in control of sort of how how much of that you choose to invest in and act on. Um, that, that just sounds yeah. like a really lovely setup. Um, they absolutely nail that aspect of it. Um, the I was going to say, the soundtrack, as I say, I was expecting bluesy jazz, jazz stuff it's not it's it's contemporary ambient electronica and the uh, the design style that goes with it is noir but they've got a lovely rhythm to it where you're talking to your passenger in the in the back seat and then occasionally as you're driving past it will just show an airplane going overhead or some passing lights and it has this effect that it really puts you in the early hours of the morning it's simultaneously calming and gripping it's got this oh, kind of wow. like, you know bad stuff is happening and you feel a little bit tense about it one way, but the music and the rhythm of the car and everything else about it is so soporific mm. that it puts you in this unique space that exists only in those hours. Oh, lovely. Um, oh, yeah, I, I really want to I really want to play it now just off that description. So talk mm. to me about anything else that you thought was a positive aspect of this game. As I say, I think um, I think the various stories, I think the through line of looking at um, ethnic and cultural tensions mm. in France is played really well. Um, I enjoyed aspects of the murder mystery side of it. Okay. Because uh, I do like solving puzzles <laughs> and it wasn't... It wasn't too easy. Like, they give you some weird clues that you have to piece together on your pinboard at the end of every night. Okay. Um, I very much enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the biggest the biggest appreciation for it is the atmosphere. And I would have played the entire game if it was just driving people around listening to their stories in the taxi. They did that bit so well. Yeah, okay. Um. So just off of... In fact, no. Let me get on to anything you found negative or challenging about the Mm -hmm. game first. And then I've got a couple of questions based on what you said. So what were the sort of downsides? I I feel like there was a level of disappointment there, Tim. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, there are are downsides. Absolutely. Um, It's in in the framing mechanism. It's in the... um, uh, The murder mystery police procedural stuff. So the biggest disappointment is uh, when you start the game, Mm. you're given three options of stories. There are three murder cases to solve. Uh, So I played one through, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, great, I'm going to play the next one now. Because as I say, there are certain passengers that are suspects that are highlighted. So you know, you pick them up to progress your understanding of that storyline. And there are other people that aren't related. Now, what I presumed would happen is when I went on to the next murder case, mm. I would be able to, you know, continue with some of these stories because you don't finish them off 
you know, you okay. only get part way through a lot of the stories. I thought I would continue with those, but actually it's exactly the same game, but with a different mystery. So oh. you still wake up in the hospital, you, you having been attacked. You pick up, I would say, maybe half of the people you've already spoken to and heard some of that story and Aww. half the new. So it's got a, yeah, exactly. So although you're headed towards a different conclusion in mm. terms of the murderer, you repeat a lot of the same game and that is not fun. Yeah. One so of my questions it, you've basically just answered, which is replayability, because mm. something you said earlier made me think, oh, you must have to replay this to get to the conclusion. That, but... Exactly. And that's I, that's what I, I was expecting. There is a mode, like a free roam mode you can play where the timed aspect and the murder mystery aspect isn't part of it. Mm. I would recommend that mode. So I didn't want to go straight onto it because I'd already done, you know, sort of half of it through the original game. But it's the kind of thing that maybe in a couple of years time when I've forgotten the specific details, I would come back and just play the free roam mode and explore all of those stories because I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, But that that was the real hang up is that that game mechanic was uh, <laughs> it was not thought through <laughs> properly? Mm. Um, there are some other game mechanic aspects of it that weren't thought through. So, as I say, you have to pay for your petrol and you have to get an income. Mm. Um, and the challenge is that although you have like a sat nav experience where you can see where people are that you need to pick up, yeah, it doesn't tell you ahead of time where they're going and how much they're going to pay. And so you can't really be tactical about whether you're picking up a passenger or you're going for another one because actually it makes more sense, you know, to do that. That It wasn't very well signposted for you to be particularly strategic about it. Yeah, which is In terms of the strategy, there's a lot of guesswork. But because it's so contemporary, all um, kind of private hire vehicle drivers now have the option, well, a lot of them now, unless they're sort of pre-booked, and even when they're pre-booked via another company, via a parent company, they will know how long and how far their fare is. Um, yeah, so like yes. Uber, as an as a very basic example, you you can see how far people are going, and so, they, and so therefore what the fare is. So that's really yeah. weird that it's removing they, they that put from you. Stri- they put strategic restrictions on your gameplay, but they mm. hadn't given you the tools to create a strategy. Yeah. So that was a that was a complete mismatch. Yeah, yeah that seems <laughs> seems really odd. Um <laughs> so can you fail? Yes. Yes. You can choose the uh the wrong suspect. You have five suspects to choose from when you put the clues together. So you can choose the wrong suspect to fail, first of all. You can also mishandle your final encounter Ooh. with the actual murderer and get murdered. <gasps> oh, yeah. Tim! Which, oh. if you've gotten to the end of five days of questioning people, you're a bit like, oh, that's really not how I wanted it to end. But if you do handle them properly then you get quite a nice contemplative ending where you drive out of the city into the countryside and you're asked whether you're going to essentially carry on, go back to the city and carry on with your taxi driving or get back in touch with, I will just leave it at some people from your past. Mm, Yeah, yeah, we won't spoil it. Um, Mm. And in terms of things like dialogue choices, 
Is there enough mm. nuance for you in the writing? Yes. Yeah, that aspect is really good because, you know, um, with some uh, consequence-based dialogue mm. trees, you get a hint as to what the outcome is. Like, you'll get, this will cause a fight, or mm. this is you persuading someone, or, or something. They don't have that. I mean, again, you might <laughs> some players might say, well, that meant I couldn't form a strategy because I didn't know what the response was going to be. But actually, mm. I really enjoyed that aspect of it you weren't quite sure what the tone of the conversation was going to be from uh, from step to step. And I think that's good, be- again, because of it being throughout the night. Yeah. You're never quite sure what state people are in. Yeah. You know, they might, they might be happy, they might be insomniacs and going crazy. I don't know if you can imagine what that would be like. Um, uh, yeah, they thanks, might be drunk. Tim. I, that, that's actually so... offensive to me. Uh, I, I am a <laughs> lifelong chronic insomniac. Tim likes to just joke about it like it's nothing Um, (laughs) uh, great so were there any other things of note before we start to round up your review of this game Um, I I think I've I've given the main points of it the gameplay is very wanting Mm -hmm. but it's definitely worth delving into Mm -hmm. just to Absorb that atmosphere, absorb the stories, maybe just play it on free play. <laughs> yeah. And on that note then, who would you recommend this to? Would you recommend I would them? recommend this, to, well, first of all, to people who enjoy narrative-driven games, who, you know, come with the expectation that they want something akin to an interactive film. Um, I would also recommend it to taxi drivers, <laughs> who I think will have a special interest in the way this is going along. Um, I think it would be fascinating for anyone who um, is at all interested in kind of um, ethnic tensions in France. And I recommend it to insomniacs, who I think will deeply appreciate the vibe that's going on from 10 till 6. I am going to play this when I got... I should have played it last night, Tim. Uh, My neighbour had had an illegal house party because we're still in lockdown. Uh, which went on until 4am, at which point they seemed to go quiet for about 40 minutes. And then just before 5am, there was a full-blown fight in the house. Wow. They'd that... gone from getting <laughs> drunk, singing. There was a lot of singing until about 4am. Then there was, yeah, around about 5, a full-blown fight to the point where I was like, should I call the police? Because my walls, I, I live in a terrace house but I can hear my neighbours like they're in the next room. Like, it, it's just so loud. Um, so yeah, I should have just got up and played a game. Should have played this. It would have been more fun than what I had to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see the decision tree coming up in front of you. Like, Here it is. Do I get into a fight? <laughs> do I persuade them? <laughs> do I call the authorities? Um, yeah. yeah, I did. I was a bit like that last night, actually. It was crazy. Um, so... It's come to that point of this review, Tim. Are you ready? Oh, you want me to throw a number at you? I need you to rate this out of 10, please. <laughs> I'm going to go for seven. Oh, that's quite um, high. Yeah, which I could say, I think it's quite a generous seven. I think I give it a seven because it, I have played quite a lot of narrative games and I yeah. enjoy narrative games. I think it found a style of its own which I think is always commendable. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can find something that is pretty unique, 
deeply flawed in a lot of the gameplay, so I definitely mm-hmm. couldn't go higher than that. But I think if you're interested in narrative games, it's definitely worth your time. So it has to be a seven. Okay, yeah. I mean, from, from some of the chat, I was thinking a bit lower than that. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to check this out anyway. I'm a big narrative game fan. Uh, so thank you very, very much. Um, you are welcome, my dear. Can I hear about uh, yours now? Yes! So, uh, All right, give me, give me the hard deets. All right, so the main deet, the game I'm talking about is called Tell Me Why, which every time I can never remember the title which makes me think it's a bad title because I can never remember it. Um, but every time I then look at it to remind myself, what is that game called again? Um, I then start singing, tell me why I don't like Mondays. Do, do you know what? I mean, <laughs> I know I know we always descend into song, but I had, tell me why ain't nothing but a heartache. Yeah, I had Backstreet oh, Boys God, in my head. yeah. So, um, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't listened to this podcast before, pretty much when it's just me and Tim, um, I have to sing something. It's not on purpose. It turns into a musical. It turns bit, into it? And we hate musicals, so I don't know why that happens. We really hate musicals. <laughs> yeah, but the mm. game is called Tell Me Why. Um, shall, I, shall I tell you about it in a nutshell, Tim? Yeah, tell me what, first of all. Tell you what. In a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tell Me Why is um, a, a narrative-based adventure game. So another narrative-based game. Uh, and it is uh, set in rural Alaska, where you are playing 21-year-old twins, Tyler and Allison, who are reunited for the first time in 10 years, following a separation forced on them after Tyler when age 10, kills their mother in self-defense. Yeah, so it sounds pretty intense, and it is, but it's also got a lot of lightness, a lot of heart. It's a lovely, lovely uh, narrative-based game. So this is another game similar to yours, which is based on choices. So there's a lot of dialogue choices, uh, there's a couple of action choices, uh, very story-driven. But it's also, and they don't tell you this in the description, but I would also say this is probably a magical realism game. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's very rooted in you... reality. But then I was just this... going to ask you to expand on magical realism <laughs> as a genre. In the way, in the way I started With going up noir. on one noir, I'm like, all right, come on, let's do genres today. Um, tell me about magical so... realism. I can't say the name of the Cuban guy who's credited as one of the main authors of magical realism because I can't pronounce it. Is it Gab... You know who I mean. 100,000 Years of Solitude. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. There we go. Um, I can never remember his name, but he's one of the... As far as I know, I'm not as hot on this as other genres, but as far as I know, he's one of the kind of earliest credited people for delving into this idea of magical realism. And my understanding of its use in more modern things is that it's pretty much what it says on the tin. (laughs) But you're very much Mm -hmm. in a kind of gritty, grounded uh, world with gritty, grounded characters. But the aspects of what they're living through are pulled out and kind of pushed through a sort of fantastical element in order to then 
amplify the very grounded human experience. Yes. Anything to add? Well done. No. Yeah. Only well done. Thank you. I'm just saying well done. Thanks, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not as confident with, the, with, with describing these kinds of genres because they're a bit more niche. Um, but yeah, it very much, it took a while for me to realise that's what was going on. And the reveal of it in this game is quite, I, I, it really, it definitely levelled it up a few points for me. Um, nice. Yeah, so that, that was my sort of nutshell. So did you know this genre was coming up? Does that feed into your expectations of the game or did you hear anything else about it? No, well, this game, I had a certain expectation about it because I know another game by the same um, developers. So the developers are, let me get this right, dot nod adventure i believe mm-hmm. um and they are the developers behind the oh god the sort of teenage time travel american games life is strange there we go just remembered mm. which i've only ever played a um kind of free sample of when it first came out in like 20 15 or 16 around then yeah so i don't know the games that well because i only played like the first chapter of the first one and i think there's been two life is strange games um but there is there is a kind of element of rewinding time in that and every time we rewind time there's consequences um so it is a bit different because you you've you kind of go in knowing you've got a power quite early on um, and you feel a bit more in control of that and the choice making from what I can remember is a bit more obvious from the top that like you know okay if you decide to save this person you're not going to get to this other person in time so I feel like mm-hmm. it, whereas this one you go in and you like my expectation was like it's going to be very um, character driven and you're going to get a lot of backstory about these characters lives and the reason for that is that very, I mean, right at the top of the game is that the one of the twins, Tyler, is a trans man. And the, right at the top of the game is about Tyler returning to his very insular, very small rural Alaskan hometown and reuniting with his twin and having not been in that town as a male. Um, having been kind of as a 10 year old sort of not quite understood and accepted for who he was uh, when he left so I very much thought this was going to be a relationship game Mm -hmm. and I was looking forward to that and I wasn't disappointed because this game is very much about the relationship between a brother and sister and I found that really unique because it, it reads very true there is a, I asked you about nuance in dialogue choices. In this, it's so nuanced. There is no big sort of decision track that you can identify. Mm-hmm. There's no like, I'm going to play this kind of character. I'm going to play that kind of character. It's very much subtle. The, the, the character's experiences are feel so well-rounded. It, it's really well-written and well-researched in terms of particularly those two core characters and you play both of them throughout the game so you'll sometimes be Tyler and you'll sometimes be Alison right yeah. do you get to choose that or is that just sort of no. segmented as so part of the story yeah exactly that's segmented for you so you start with Tyler 
um, and then you flip to Alison. And what's lovely about it is that you you feel early on this is very much Tyler's story because Tyler's got all this stuff that he's been through. He's going back. But then as you play, you actually realise Alison's got a hell of a lot of stuff that she hasn't unpacked, whereas Tyler's mm-hmm. done a lot of unpacking. And so it's a beautiful sort of yin yang experience with their characters that actually you think he's going to be the more complex one but actually he's very much about living his truth whereas she's still unpacking lies and um yeah when i Mm. get into the the things that i really loved about the game i'll come to that again yeah well i mean i'm ready to hear about the things you loved about the game if you if you want to continue i'm already hooked yeah i mean it so what really surprised me um, from what I expected, I just expected a nice narrative, character journey, uh, where we found out about their relationship. What I did not expect and what I found was one of these kind of magical elements that were really heightened and felt really dangerous, actually. And also this this idea of a murder mystery, <laughs> sort of a murder mystery at the heart of this story. Mm. In that right at the beginning, you're told Tyler killed his mum in self-defence. And it feels like a kind of situation where... They were neglected as children. Their mum was struggling with mental health issues. There was a lot of external pressures on her. And she just cracks at some point. And the poor children, they're 10 years old, do what they have to do to survive. Um, but as you get into it, that's very much not what happens. And, and that's not a spoiler because you get, you get that in the first chapter. And I won't delve in too much about what I loved about what you learn. But what I will say is that this game is very much exploring that line between truth and lies in mm-hmm. in the kind of format and journey of solving a murder. So it kind of it becomes a who done it, but a very grounded who done it. A very like uh, human experience of the fact that everybody lies. It made me think about House quite a lot. Um, mm. the series House. Did you ever watch House? Loved it. I watched it a little bit when you were watching yeah. it, but not really. <laughs> so the tagline for that is everybody lies. And it made me think about that a lot. And, and it also raised this question of why we lie to children so readily. And I don't mm. know if that was its intention, but that's something that really jumped out at me because from the age of 10, they're now only 21. So they're still very young, the characters. People have just lied to them to protect them. Uh, and people mm-hmm. have felt like they've had to lie to them to protect them. And at points they've even lied to themselves to protect themselves. And and it's really interesting, I think, that they picked the age of 10 uh, and now they're sort of 20, 21. Um, because te- between, I think, 7 and 10 is where children consolidate their ability to lie and to figure out what impact that has in the world and and them operating within the world so i thought it was like a really nice age to pick they're still very connected to their like fantasy world and imagination and play but at the same time they're still very aware that they can lie in order to survive and then Mm -hmm. all the adults around them are lying to them in order to protect them but obviously that becomes very damaging and what i think is so fantastic about having a trans character at the very front and center of this is that he is all about telling his truth and being his truth and living his truth. And so that against this kind of backdrop of lies, which is what any murder mystery or mystery uh, narrative is built on, is such a great foil 
And it's yeah. really subtle in such a satisfying way. And as I'm going through, there's three chapters to this game. So as I'm going through the chapters, this expands more and more and more. And it, yeah, I mean, it's really clever. It sounds so interesting. It's, yeah. <laughs> it makes me think, well, it makes me think, first of all, about, you know, telling lies to children that mm. I think for a long time, there's not really a distinction between what's a story and what's a lie. Yeah. You know, they are essentially the same thing. It's just our expectations that change and mm-hmm. also you know, how it's applied in a social setting. So I think, you know, that's fascinating from, from first of all, from the perspective yeah. of what is a lie. It's like, well, it's a story, yeah. but it depends on what your intent is with telling that story. Because yeah. we all tell stories to just make things easier to understand. And I'm going to come in right there because one of the other things <laughs> I loved about this game, Tim, is that everything their mum told them was a story. Mm. So within the game, you have a reference point book that you discover quite early on in the first chapter and it's called the book of goblins so when they were children she called them her little goblins and she created this storybook for them which they co-wrote some stories she uh, authored and some stories they authored and it, you can actually see it in the game it's just colored in and fun little characters um and as you go through the game you realize that some of the characters particularly in the mum's stories are very much things that she's hidden from them and she's sort of told them through this story but in a very sort of symbolic way rather than telling them the truth she's told them a story so it's exactly what Mm. you just said and I just think it's so clever to use that because it's something that most of us as children will have experienced and someone will tell like even if it's a parable we've all experienced this kind of lesson through a story or history of your family through a story or reasons we can't do this or reasons we have to do that through a story so interesting the other thing i was thinking because you said about um murder self-defense and the age of the child being 10 um is the age of criminal responsibility because i know that in the u.s what it varies by state um you know it can be as young as six Oh gosh, um, really? In South Carolina, it's seven years old in 35 states in the US. Um, and then it goes up to 11 years old um, in some other states. So because the reason being, because I think it's 14 um, in this country. And so when you said 10, I thought, ah, maybe kind of that's that's part of the reason it might have just been under criminal responsibility yeah, I mean, or there been are, over, depending where it's yeah there, this character might actually be in a state where it's younger because there are consequences even though this is mm. found to be an act of self-defense that's why the twins have been separated for so long um so yeah it's, it's really interesting and as i say it's so grounded in reality uh, but then you have all this other stuff going on all these sort of like little fantasy things um so the twins have this thing that they call their voice, which they think Mm -hmm. they they didn't remember they had. And as they spend a bit of time together early on, they start bonding. I think you can slightly increase the the rapidness of this bond by some of your dialogue choices, but it's not very clear. Um, But part of the bonding is that they start sharing a voice so they can actually hear each other in each other's head. Uh, Right, twin powers. Yeah, and that's a sort of first introduction to this kind of magical element mm-hmm. um and so what some of the, the the main action of the game is you unlocking memories where they have to work together to 
sort of unlock memories um and they can watch themselves in a sort of fuzzy rendition of something that happened when they were 10 and often you have to make a choice between if you follow Alison's version of the memory or Tyler's version of the memory and they're just slightly different and mm -hmm. again it's just this thing of like yeah because no one's memory is reliable and again it no. feeds back into that thing of of truth and lies and actually in any mystery or any crime uh process you're relying on people and people are very unreliable and people's memories are very unreliable and i just think it's just so clever that on so many levels they're exploring this mm -hmm. yeah is there anything else kind of positive you want to highlight in the game aside from what sounds like a very compelling story and characters just it's very important i think to mention that this is the first um main studio or bigger budget game that features a trans character as its leading character uh, also they have done amazingly well with making sure that people on the crew and the writing team are as, as kind of reflective of the diversity in, in front of the camera if you will um, as behind the camera it's very well researched mm -hmm. it's also set in a place that has um, an indigenous population and that's mm -hmm. all been very well researched so I read about I read about the kind of the lengths they've gone to to make sure that all these characters and all these stories have been given the voice right from the beginning the the right kind of yeah. stories the right kind of voices have been consulted um and all of these characters the main characters in particular are so well rounded it is mm. it, it's, it's a really it's a really wonderful thing for a game because games are very often about quite a, a simple character niche or <laughs> you know yeah or, yeah so yeah. I, I think it's no, really I think it's highlighting it, it sounds like in in both of our games mm. they were improved by having um stories we hadn't necessarily heard before yes. and just just more of a diversity of stories i mean you know you, you can tick diversity inclusion boxes but actually just hearing stories you haven't heard before makes yeah. it so much more interesting. And this doesn't feel like a tick box. And and I say that like because we're we we you know we've both worked around industries that uh, succumb to tick boxing because they feel they should mm. and don't do it properly. Um, this this feels like a very a very sort of lovingly told story. And I I think that mm -hmm. what the what's interesting as you say the game you were talking about as you were talking about the immigrant experience I was like wow there's a lot of similarities between these two games yeah, yeah. um just about just hearing more stories you know we can't mm. just hear the same mm. stories all the time let's enrich ourselves you know yeah exactly and um, before we get too warm and fuzzy though yeah. is there anything negative you need to highlight yes there is unfortunately like with a lot of point and click style um narrative based games um just the action the getting from one side of a room to another, it's a bit slow. You can't make your characters run. And sometimes you're like, I just need to walk up a path to get to the next point in the story. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as much as I've enjoyed the really beautiful rendering of, of Alaska, it's really lovely to have something set there um, in the snow, this gorgeous landscape. Mm. Some nice little kind of vistas that you occasionally get to look at. Occasionally, I just want to get on with the game. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. And also there's some just strange things that you have to do. Like in chapter two, I know a lot of reviewers moaned about this section. There's a bit where you just have to count tins in a box for about 20 minutes. You're helping someone do a stock check and it's like, why? It leads to a really <laughs> nice scene, but the act of literally looking in boxes and mm. counting tins, I was like, I'm not quite sure what this adds. Um, yeah, and there, there's a lot about it that I just think, oh, it's the same thing that I think with a lot of these kinds of games, where I just want the sort of yeah. moving to the point where you can select a button to interact with something to just be a bit more seamless. And sometimes yeah. you're kind of repositioning yourself for about 10 minutes to try and activate something because you get a rumble when you're in the vicinity of a memory for example and there was one memory where i was like i just can't activate it. i'm just not stood in the right place so i had to go onto youtube to be like how do i activate this memory it's not working is it a bug and all i had to do was i was in the right place i had to just look up with the camera mm. and i was like that annoys me because it takes me out of this gorgeous sort of flow and the subtlety of the storytelling because then i'm like oh i am just pressing buttons and playing a game so that yeah that yeah. Um, for me that's the sort of the biggest downside i'd say it's funny so i think sometimes with these narrative games the creators sort of lose their nerve a little bit and they feel like they need to introduce more elements of gameplay than they really do you know it's it's kind of like don't put an artificially gamey moment into this if i don't actually need it like, it should be there to advance the story, not just yeah. to make sure I'm still paying attention. <laughs> I really don't know who signed off on let's make a character go and count tins. I really don't. <laughs> Maybe they were sponsored by Tesco. Who knows? <laughs> no, It's just really weird. Um, All right. Ed anything else you want to um, add on before we uh, start to wrap up? Uh, so I guess, let's see. Um... I guess I just want to highlight again that this is a different kind of choose your own adventure narrative story and I've never really played anything this subtle um, and I really appreciated that and I know I've read quite a lot of reviews because I've been thinking about this game I've been playing this for a week and I've been thinking about it almost every night when I stopped playing it and so I've read a few reviews and a lot of people whinged about it not being clear what side of the fence you're coming down on then mm -hmm. saying well, there wasn't even a fence what's the point but i i've got the complete opposite view of that and i think so now yeah. moving into recommendations i would say if you're if you're someone who likes narrative games but you need to really come down hard on being one type of character or another type of character either challenge yourself by playing this game to have a go at something different or give it a miss if you really really need those kind of choice based games where you have to know that you made a massive difference because you selected option b and not option a so mm. yeah that that's one thing i kind of highlight for me it was a positive but i know for a lot of reviewers that was something they didn't like yeah that was the same for me in this experience mm. as well i really enjoyed owning the fact that i wasn't quite sure what impact i'd had uh, or what impact I was going to have and I know that for some people that's not a game <laughs> like if you don't <laughs> yeah if you don't have a specific set of rules set out by which you can play then it doesn't really feel like a game so yeah I, I had a similar experience but I really enjoyed that yeah so does that does that lead you on to a rating oh I think I'm there 
Um, I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. The, the slight okay. clunky moments of gameplay just knock it down from a nine. But for me, and I, and I will caveat that by saying, I think that you will have uh, an emotional response to this game or you won't. And I think that that will make the difference between how you would rate it. So have a think about if those themes resonate with you, if that kind of uh, tone and pace, it's quite a slow paced game, resonates with you. But for me, yeah, kind of eight and a half out of 10, definitely, I really recommend it. Nice. I think for both of these, maybe Google a quiz on how do I cope with uncertainty? And if it comes out that you cope quite well with uncertainty, play these games. And if you don't, don't. Well, here's a good litmus paper <laughs> for it, Tim, actually, is um, have you, how have you coped with the pandemic? Uh, when you're at home, right. have you ever been bored? If the answer is yes, this game may not be for you. If the answer is no, because there's always things to learn and experience. That's a good point. Then yeah. Good point. I haven't been, I, I mean, I don't get bored. No. I haven't been bored. So, I have um, yeah. The only times I get bored is if I'm in a place and I cannot control my exposure to stuff that would interest me. Like if I'm in a waiting room and my phone dies, mm. for example, then I'm going to get bored. Or if I'm in a queue and there's nothing yeah. to do <laughs> but yeah i'm with you and i, I do think that that is uh, that's a good litmus test actually mm. yeah very good yeah well, that, was, that was a good combo good combo of offerings for, for people who are interested so. in this sort of stuff anyway yeah and and look but oh and i should have said i played this on um xbox game pass it's also available on pc uh i think that's it i don't know if this is on yeah, it's just PC and Xbox, this one. So no PlayStation for oh, this one either. That's weird, we, isn't we it? We snubbed the PlayStation yeah. twice. Sorry. I think this one was actually... Sorry oh, about yeah, it. this one was actually published by Xbox Game Studios, so that might be why for this one. Ah, uh, okay. But, um, yeah, so I think if you've got a Game Pass, enjoy, because a lot of new things have popped up in the last month. And, and these kind of slightly shorter games, I think this has got about a 10-hour playthrough. Um, mm -hmm. they're quite nice to sort of dip in and out of uh, yeah so okay. I, I think that's it but um, I just want to say a massive thank you uh, to you listeners for tuning into this I hope you've enjoyed it if you've played any of these games or any games that are similar um, I think that we're, we're sort of experiencing a bit of a shift in narrative based games at the moment uh, because we can read the, the the kinds of games that are being invested in now are actually do have the space to employ different writers a bit more research so i think we're coming into a new age of these kinds of games do you feel the same tim i mean i do i i have noticed it that the stories are are fresher mm. they're more interesting and i think there's also something about doing it collectively Mm. Um, that people have realized that you don't when you have people around you know to your place to play games together mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be mario karts yeah like we can have a collective sort of filmic experience mm. especially one that sparks a bit of discussion around interesting topics so yeah i'm seeing a shift yeah definitely um so yeah i mean yeah if you're enjoying any similar games uh want to recommend any to us 
please do we're on the socials um but that is i think the end of the episode so thank you very much for joining me today tim brother from a different thank mother you. <laughs> oh, the dog thank you sister from a different mister hey. um <laughs> and uh please give us a follow we are on all the podcasting apps and uh and if you feel up to it We'd love a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, so please do that because it really helps us get found in searches and we want to chat games to more of you. So please, please do that if you can. And share with your game-loving friends. Why not? Uh, we're going to be coming at you thicker and faster. Oh, that sounds rude. We're going to be putting out <laughs> more episodes. Me. Is what I'm oh, trying right, okay. to say. <laughs> Just, just wanted clarity oh, on what was God, going on. Oh, God, I've had one glass of wine, Tim. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, goodbye from me, Jem. Goodbye from you, Jem. And me, Tim. <laughs> goodbye. Bye. Bye.